Ah, summer. The best time of the year usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there was another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. At IKEA, everyone can have lounge chair access. No reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, they have all of the essentials that you need to soak up summer in style no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Sierra Leone has some of the world's highest maternal mortality rates. One nurse, Zainab, has not lost a single mother. This Mother's Day, join care in supporting maternal health around the world. Learn more at care.org slash Mother's Day. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on WASP, the worldwide association of specialty programs and schools. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. Was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's of kid treatment. Join my host as they unravel the story of the largest and most shocking organization in the history of the troubled teen industry. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. I am all in. with Scott Patterson, an iHeartRadio podcast. Hey everybody, Scott Patterson. We're going to talk to Jared Padalecki, the one and only Dean Forrester. Jared was a series regular, appeared in 63 episodes from 2000-2005. First appeared in the pilot, season one, episode one. Last appearance was season five, episode 18, to live and let diorama. Um, he was known as the new kid in town. I think he needs no introduction to the Gilmore world. His bio is interesting. He's from San Antonio. Texas. He started to take acting classes when he was 12. Uh, he won the claim to fame contest in 1999, got to appear in the Teen Choice Awards. Uh, he lived in San Antonio and attended James Madison High School. He was named candidate for the year uh, 2000 Presidential Scholars Program. After graduating in 2000, he moved to L.A. and got the role in Gilmore. He also went on to portray Sam Winchester in the CW Supernatural uh, for, my God, uh, 15 seasons he now stars in the show. Walker on CW also has several feature film credits, including House of Wax, Cry Wolf, and Friday the 13th. And I think Jared is also uh, an executive producer on Walker, so he's in control over there. So a very nice uh, career trajectory still uh, going up and to the left, as they say. Uh, is he is he here? Let's bring him in. Shout out to AstroPro for sponsoring this episode and providing free samples. It's springtime and that means allergies. Mine have been throwing me off and I need something that works fast. That's where AstroPro comes in. It's the first of its kind nasal allergy spray. And it is the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter spray you can get. It starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Plus, it is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. AstroPro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. So if you suffer from allergies like I do, get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with AstroPro. Go to AstroProAllergy.com for a discount so you can AstroPro and go today. Visit A-S-T-E-P-R-O-Allergy.com. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. This Mother's Day, join CARE in honoring the resilience of mothers around the world. 
In Sierra Leone, facing one of the world's highest maternal mortality rates, one nurse named Zainab has not lost a single mother. Supported by CARES Work, Zainab's clinic has become a beacon of hope in her community. Zainab's spirit extends to CARES Work worldwide, aiming to ensure every mother's safety during childbirth. Learn more at care.org slash Mother's Day. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on Wasp. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. They burned us and subject us to really horrible, uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. The Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They prey on, you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. At this time in my life now, if someone presented this program to me, and not just because I've already experienced it, Sham, scam, beware. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There he is. How you doing, buddy? How are you, brother? I'm good. You're looking well. I'm feeling all right, man. I'm feeling all right. Thank you so much for doing this. I know how incredibly busy you are. And any time that you give us is much appreciated. And oh, uh, we are yeah. really, really excited to have you. You, you have no idea. The, the team is going crazy. We're going to do all kinds of promotion and all kinds of stuff. So thank you. Thank you very much it. for coming on. I love it. So it's been a, while. It's been a minute. It's been um, a minute. How's the fam? How, how are the boys? How, how's, how's your wife? How's everything going? They're great. Uh, Tom, our oldest, is 10. He's a oh, fifth grader. Uh, Shep is eight. He's a third grader. And then our baby girl, Odette, is five, and she's in kindergarten, and she wow. thinks she's about 35. So <laughs> to rule the roost. Uh, we have a, we have a, I had the day off of filming, so okay, we good. about an hour outside of uh, Austin. So Jen and I kind of snuck out here to – get some fresh air and get out of the hustle and bustle of the city and nice around well, a little bit. well thank you for uh you know i know how um this is an off day for me too i'm up in uh, nova scotia shooting this tv series and off days are few and far between and they're very precious and i thank you for sharing it with us thank you um, back uh yeah, no scope, always wanted to go yeah yeah it's beautiful it's it's beautiful it's it's like every every angle is a postcard up here it's yeah. it's it's, it's kind of crazy they're there now is it already into the kind of early Canada it's, winter it's starting to get like 50 degrees 55 little windy and uh, but but i'm warmed by the thought of chad michael murray being my castmate so <laughs> it's a gilmore reunion <laughs> buffalo so for him yeah. it's like yeah, old hat yeah it's no big deal that's no big deal um so look, let's get into this. I, we've got a million questions for you. Um, I know we're not going to get to them all, given you know. But I, I don't want to keep you that long uh, on an off day, especially. Um, so let's talk about 
Uh, and we're going to get into Walker. I want to hear all about it because um, I'm, I'm fascinated with, I mean, you're executive producing it as well. So, you know, you've got a lot of skin in the game there. Sure. Um, was Gilmore your first uh, uh, acting uh, gig that you got hired for? Not technically. So when I was a senior in high school, uh, well, okay, I'll go back a little bit further. Between my junior and senior year of high school, I won a nationwide contest to be a trophy presenter at the first annual Teen Choice Awards. And that meant I stood there on stage, I held onto a surfboard, and when Freddie Prince Jr. would win Best Kiss for She All That, I'd give it to him and I'd, you know, usher them off stage. And at the after party, I met a manager who I'm still with to this day, Dan Spilo, who's also a producing partner. And he's like, hey, you know, do you act or what's the deal? I was like, yeah, you know, I've acted in school, done speech and debate and plays and this and that. I love acting. He's like, well, here's my card. You know, let's keep in touch. And so I went back to San Antonio uh, to do my senior high school. And then he would send scripts. And these are back in the days of the VHS camcorders. I think a lot of youngins don't know what it is. Uh, we didn't own one, but our, our friends did. And so we'd borrow it and I would memorize my lines and my mother would just hold the camcorder and film me while she's reading the other character's lines. And Spilo was like, I think you're a talent, dude. Like, I think you can work. Oh, yeah. uh, and my mother's a teacher. Uh, she's retired now. My father uh, is a retired accountant. And so I was going to go to UT Austin, uh, where I live now, and be engineering and pre-med. Um, and my brother had done the same at St. Mary's in San Antonio, engineering pre-med. Uh, and they were like, no, this, this sounds like a pipe dream. You know, we support you, uh, but this sounds like it's not, you know, like have a backup plan. And I was like, all right, like I can't wait to go to Austin and hopefully build a life in Austin and this and that. And then I flew out during spring break of my senior year. So February during pilot season, mm -hmm. uh, thank God. And I got a pilot uh, called Silent Witness, which was for NBC, and it didn't get picked up. And so, you know, my parents were like, well, okay, you know, you, you did it. You gave it a shot. And then the check came in for the pilot, and they were like, follow your dream, son. <laughs> so I used the money. I used that money to, to road trip out. To, I put some aside for, for student loans and whatnot. And I drove out to California with my papa, my mom's dad. Um, stayed with my manager in his house and did some auditions. And I think that first week or two weeks or whatever, and, and these are back, you remember 2000, like if you were a, if you were a teenage white dude, there was a role for you in every single project that was being made. Um, and so I got tons of auditions and they're like, Hey, this new kid in town, he, he has acted all throughout school. And so I booked uh, a guest spot on ER I booked wow. an independent movie called A Little Inside, and I booked a four-episode guest star stint on Gilmore Girls, this show that hadn't aired yet. And funny enough, when I booked the the re-recast of Dean Forrester, you know, the show hadn't been picked up yet. I was just a co-star, I think, at the time. And I'd also been offered this independent movie, I forget the name of it now, Boys on the Run, I think it was called, um, which was like 10 times the money. And I got offered another project that was like, six times the money. And then I got off with Gilmore Girls, which hadn't even aired yet. And I was, you know, this, this kid who grew up in a 700 square foot house in San Antonio going like money, money, money. <laughs> my, my agent and manager were like, no, 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 no. Um, you know, we think that the show, which I hadn't read yet, I hadn't seen, obviously it hadn't aired. Uh, they were like, we think this show has, has legs. It's a great show. It's super intelligent. It's funny. It's charming. It's heart, it's heartwarming. Uh, we think you should do that. And so, thank God, uh, they convinced me. I was still 17 at the time right. to choose four episodes on on this little show called Gilmore Girls that hadn't aired yet compared to, you know, a couple of independent movies. God, so young. So young. Seven, 17. Oh, 17. my God. Now I'm 40. <sighs> with a 10-year-old. No, yeah, I'm, I'm 64. So, uh, yeah. um, so tell us about the audition. What do you remember about it? I remember going in and to the best of my recollection, I had already, well, my first audition was with Mara and Jamie, um, who I, you, you may have already been cast when Jamie I was. Yeah. Okay. So you wouldn't have auditioned for them. 
No. But I paid for them and they seemed to love me. And I felt like, I was like, I think they really did me. And I don't know how much of that was just their lovely people and they're professional. And I was legitimately a child. I wasn't even 18 years old yet. So they seemed really confident. (laughs) I was like, I don't want to get my hopes up because they could have just been nice to me because I'm a kid, like wet behind the ears, fresh off the boat from Texas. Um, but sure enough, they brought me back in for, uh, Amy and for Gavin Pallone and they also seemed to dig me. And it was one of those classic audition rooms where there were, you know, three or four of us and some people are acting a little hardcore and too cool for school and acting like they already got the role. And some of us are like, I don't even know what I'm doing here. Like Mm -hmm. I'm going to go in and say my lines. And so I went in, said my lines. I think we did it probably two or three times and I had a good feeling from Amy. I think she could tell that I wasn't. Like I, I was, I, I was an actor, you know, I wasn't like, I didn't want to be famous. I understood that if I became a successful actor, fame might be part of the equation, but I was there to try and tell a story. And I, you know, I, I had been acting in school and plays and whatnot and just delving into the, the storytelling side of acting, not the like, Hey, I've got big eyes for fame and celebrity and money and stuff. Um, and so I think that was kind of refreshing. I mean, here was this kid. I'd, I'd literally lived 17 years in Texas and gone to school and lived a pretty normal lifestyle, which I think in Amy's uh, mind, at least, and the rest of the gang was refreshing for Dean. You know, he was kind of a s- smaller town minded kind of guy, even though his character had grown up in Chicago. He was kind of, he, he felt at home in Stars Hollow because he was just kind of a low key guy. And I was a low key kid. So right. it worked out. Yeah. Um, you know, it's one of the remarkable discoveries about watching the show, because this, this is the whole uh, premise of this podcast, is that I never watched the show. I don't know the show. So th- that's what iHeart um, embraced. Uh, I thought I had an original idea. I didn't realize they'd, they'd had made deals with several <laughs> other <laughs> story of my life. Anyway, um, but the thing, the thing that, that really struck all of us was just how good an actor you are oh, wow. uh, at such a young age. What do you what do you attribute that to? Because you you were bl- you're blowing us away. I mean, yeah. with because your your character had a full circle when you first came on. You were that sort of little bit disrespectful, tough Chicago kid, and it kind of rubbed us the wrong way. And then, but then you start you you had one of the greatest introductions. Uh, yeah of any character I've ever seen on a TV series when you first met Rory and it was the book exchange and the whole thing, you were the coolest guy and you just really knew how to play it and you really knew how to handle it. So, so as a critic, you know, as I, um, as I can be sometimes with other people's work, I was stunned at how good you were and are. No, I mean, I mean, it's like every performance that you gave was flawless and we d- we would discuss it. So if you ever listen to the podcast, you'll hear us sort of gushing uh, about your performances. But so, so, yeah. Oh no no it it was it was above and beyond what anybody expected. And I was I was just like God. I never saw the show. I never realized how good this kid was. No wonder he got this show. Um, That's cool. Thank you. Um, so tell us about meeting Alexis mm-hmm. uh, and working with her initially. What was that like? Well, funny enough, she was also this kid from Texas who kind (laughs) of didn't think she was going to be on TV or whatever. And I think she had gone to NYU and I don't know her exact story. I'd love to know it. But um, she was also kind of a fish out of water. And so I think that was helpful because, you know, here she was 17 or 18 fresh off the boat from Texas. Here I was 17 or 18, fresh off the boat from Texas. And so we were both kind of looking around going like, this is bizarre. You know, like, what are we doing? (laughs) Uh, And so I think to go back to kind of your earlier question, I think that's where, well, I'll speak for myself. I know that's where I found my comfort zone was just acting, was just focusing on the story. And at the time I got Gilmore Girls, it was four episodes, see you later. Like I signed a four episode contract and I was like, well, this is cool. I get to kind of explore a character in more than one. You know, a lot of the auditions at the time were sort of like, hey, you play this character in this episode where they're looking for the bad guy and you say he went that way, you know, and then you're never seen again. As with this show, I was like, oh, I'm going to get four episodes. Like, how neat. And so I always felt like in the best possible way, I always felt like a guest on set for Gilmore Girls, even in the seasons where I was in more episodes or heavier in the episodes I was in, 
I always walked on the set and I felt they were like, Hey, Jared. And I don't know if you remember this, but I was famous for how many cookies I would eat every day. Oh, that's right. That's right. And so I would, you know, and I'm a kid trying to start my life living in a rental. And so I would come back uh, at the end of the day and see if there was leftover food. Uh, Cause I had kind of grown up, you know, you eat whatever you can. Um, and so I'd always wait and there'd be the big old cookie platter from Hollywood cookie company. Uh, a funny story about them. Uh, I don't know if they're still around, you know, I haven't lived in LA for many, many years. Um, but one time I think maybe season two or three, I was getting a lot more into fitness and I was, you know, starting to be aware of calories. I think it was kind of the early two thousands when it was like avoid saturated fat and, you know, work towards more fiber. And I called them one day randomly i you know their little sticker was on the platter of cookies and i called them because i would eat probably eight or nine cookies and they were huge they weren't these small little bite size they were like right. you know pancakes right. uh all them i was like hey uh my name is jared i'm i'm an actor in town and i you cater our our set sometimes and i was just curious if you had like nutrition facts for your cookies and the the voice on the other end of the phone was like uh what do you mean and i was like well i just want to like <laughs> an idea of how many calories there are because i have some idea of how many calories i burn every day and if i need to burn i can exercise more or whatever and the guy's like well do you like the cookies i was like i love them he goes well let's just say this as much as you like them that's how many calories they're in (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and so uh, he kind of made it clear like hey these are made with love and butter Uh, i miss them those white chocolate macadamia i know i know for me, it was just like exploring, you know, I had long done long throughout school. I had done plays and I had done forensics, like debate and speech and duet acting. And, and I just loved storytelling. I've always been a fan of, you know, you have those friends who are, they'll start a story out and everybody just shuts up and just wants to listen. I love, I love those friends of mine. I love people in general who can just tell a story and you laugh or you cry or, or, or both. And so I, I wanted to kind of, and at the time, legitimately, I still, I had my uh, housing assignment at UT. I had the books that I had bought secondhand, you know, because they're cheaper. And I thought I was just going to make as much money as possible and go back to school. And so I was like, well, just enjoy it while you can. And so I think because I didn't have, it wasn't yet my career. Like, I, it was sort of like, this is going really well. And I took it very seriously. Um, but I was like, man, if I can do four episodes, I'm gonna make a couple thousand bucks. And like, that's going to help pay for my loans and all that. And so I just worked really hard on the scenes. A couple thousand bucks. Yeah. <laughs> that's a lot of, look for a 17 year old. That's a lot of money. A lot a, of I, money. It was, I, I it was hilarious. I, I remember, I don't know if I'm allowed to say, whatever, I'll say it. I remember my paycheck for episode one of Gilmore Girls. Uh, I remember exactly what it was. And I remember it for a reason because it was one comma two three four and i was like, i'm loaded like <laughs> but i was the richest i was the richest kid i knew uh, uh, growing up in kind of a you know lower middle class spot in uh, san antonio right. and i was like dude if i can do a couple of these pay some taxes then i can pay off you know my books uh, or my my dorm or whatever amazing uh, so that's kind of where it was yeah you, you came at it with gratitude and uh, no exactly. expectations. It's the only way to yeah. do it. Yeah. Yeah. And even now I, I come at it with gratitude and I think yeah. fortunately for me, and this is, I think just the way maybe I was raised or maybe my genetic makeup. I just really enjoy the work that goes into it for me. Um, for me, the filming of the scene is the least exciting part. I, I agree. The re- I love the rehearsal process. I love the rehearsal process right. and I love the rehearsal process with or without somebody else. Like I, I, to this day, you know, now I'm 440 episodes of television into my career or something like that. And my favorite part of making a TV show is going through it over and over again, over and over again, and then getting mm-hmm. set and go like, let's see what sticks, you know, let's, let's mm-hmm. now I know what I've done. I know the different pathways to get through a scene. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, let's see how it works out. Let's see what yeah. the other, Actors and actresses want to do. Let's see what the cameramen want to do. Let's see what the DP and the director have, and let's just flow. Uh, here's here's a question that I have to ask, and it's one of the it's the, it's one of the questions I hear most often. Are you similar to Dean? Uh, were you similar to Dean in high school? 
in high school, no, I didn't have the confidence. Uh, Dean had a quiet confidence uh, from the get that I think Jared learned from. You know, I was still 17, like we talked about, I was still 17, I was a kid uh, in every way, shape and form. I, you know, I'd never left the country. Uh, I think I'd maybe left the state twice in my life, once to drive to Disneyland with my family and once to drive to Florida to Disneyland with my family. And that's it, I, I was pretty, even though San Antonio was not a small town, it's a pretty large city, I think it's a couple million. Uh, I was kind of a small town kid, you know, like my, my life was the three mile radius around my house. That was our grocery store. That was my middle school and elementary school and high school. That was where I would ride my bike to my friend's house. And so I had kind of a, maybe similar to Dean cause he grew up in Chicago, but he felt at home in a smaller like microcosm. And so I think that was similar. Um, I, I certainly had similarities. I feel like I learned a lot from Dean. Um, you know, Amy and the gang wrote this character that was really lovable. I mean, he, he certainly had some, some hiccups along the way through five seasons, but he started out and he was just like a, a good kid. You know, he was a kid. Uh, yeah. And there's a scene that I was talking about the other day with maybe one of our directors on Walker. And she was like, yeah, my family, we're always team Dean. I was like, really? And she goes, yeah, I mean, that scene with you and Lorelai, we are eating pizza and she's talking about your motorcycle and you're saying, I don't have a motorcycle. Fine, she won't ride on my motorcycle. She's like, it would just seem sweet. You know, it was, it was wholesome. Um, and so I think we kind of shared that. One of the ballsiest things I've ever seen a character do on that show is when you pretty much, I think, first met Lorelai or was the first time you were over for like a movie night. Right. They invited you for a movie night and Rory excused herself uh, and you were with Lorelai alone and she gave you the speech. And then when she was done, you didn't miss a beat. And you said, uh, my turn now. (laughs) I went, wow, wow. The the cojones on this kid, man. I mean, and then you kind of gave your speech and it was very impressive very very impressive do you, do you remember filming that i do as a matter of fact i absolutely do i remember we were on stage and i remember the set i maybe it was i forget stage 14 it was the one that was right it wasn't the one that was across from the friend stage it was the one that was nearest to uh commissary yes yes was that 14 yes. 16 I and i remember looking at the plaque on the yeah. wall outside yeah. with movies and shows that it shot and just kind of being like oh um but i remember Early on, I remember how early on, I think it was season one, uh, off camera, you know, and again, I was a 17-year-old kid. Uh, I mean, I turned 18 a couple months into it, but I was doing something, probably being some little dipshit, and you you came, I don't remember what it was, but I remember you were like, hey, I want to talk to you for a sec, and I was like, all right, and you walked me into the school the the school there in stars hollow and you just kind of took your glasses off and you kind of gave me a little talking to and i again i have no idea i don't know if you remember it i have no idea what it was about but you gave me just enough of a talking to where i was like yeah right like it, it kind of reminded me because at that time i was just playing i was doing the same stuff i would do in high school rehearsing for a play or something and so you know you're kind of around and i think the message i remember was like hey you know we're working here you know, it was, and it was the proper, and I remember kind of going like, I needed that right here, right now at this age, if I want to make a career out of this, I got to remember, we're not just playing like someone, the studio and network is spending millions of dollars for us to be here and do this. And I, and I've remained a goofball on set. I get away with it a little bit more now uh, in my coffee and whatnot. But I think I was just, I was, you know, I was never a jerk, but I think I was probably just goofing around just enough for you to kind of bring me aside and, You'd obviously done years of work and just tell me like, Hey, you know, let's tone it down a little bit or whatever you said. I don't remember. I just remember the feeling of like, that's right. Like this is a, a job. All uh, of these the people are doing a job. Um, and so that was good. So thank you. I don't know if you remember it was 22 years ago. Or something. I, I, I do. I do remember. I do. Um, but uh, I, you know, the things I remember most about you on set were our discussions about uh, training and yeah. uh you know, you, you were, you wanted to gain weight. Um, and I, I I just remember, cause I, you know, I was like you when I was a kid, just, just tall and skinny, couldn't gain any weight, ate like a horse, worked out like a fiend, 
couldn't get any weight. I was concerned about it. And I, I, I just remember, I didn't really know what to say to you other than just enjoy it while it lasts. Because <laughs> it ain't going to last. But it looks like in your case, it lasted. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I, what was the season where you broke your hand kickboxing? I remember come, coming to set one time and like shaking your hand and you kind of like shook it. And you had been at crunch kickboxing with somebody. And oh, I sure. Think, yeah. I don't remember what exactly happened, but I think you might have bust like boxer fracture or something. I was like, oh, my bad. You're like, all good, you know. But I remember. You know, oh, you I know, had a I had a bad hand or something. You 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 had you had, I think maybe had a metacarpal injury or something. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you were. I I know the guy's name if I heard it, but there was a kickboxing trainer at Crunch that you had been training with. Lolly. Lolly, yeah, yeah. It was the the former world champion. Yes, there you go. <laughs> the most the most dangerous human being on the planet, but the sweetest guy in the world. They, yeah, they need to be mean because they can back it up. It's yeah, uh, yeah. He was just like the nicest guy in the world. This Mother's Day, join Care in honoring the resilience of mothers around the world. In Sierra Leone, facing one of the world's highest maternal mortality rates, one nurse named Zainab has not lost a single mother. Supported by CARE's work, Zainab's clinic has become a beacon of hope in her community. Zainab's spirit extends to CARE's work worldwide, aiming to ensure every mother's safety during childbirth. Learn more at care.org slash Mother's Day. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on Wasp. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. They burned us and subject us to really horrible, uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. The Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They prey on, you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. At this time in my life now, if someone presented this program to me, and not just because I've already experienced it, Sham, scam, beware. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
so we recap. Speaking of fighting, uh, uh, we recapped your fight scene with Milo at the high school party a little bit ago. But uh, what do you remember having uh, about having to film that scene? How long did it take with all that choreography? Because it was really one of the best and most brutal, violent fights I've seen on TV. It was so real for a show like Gilmore Girls. You know, we're, we weren't shooting a DC show or a Marvel show where everybody's fighting all the time. Um, my stuntman was Jake Chambers. It was at the ranch. So we shot that right. at the at the Warner Brothers ranch, not the lot where obviously Stars Hollow, as you know, but for the fans, there are two uh, Warner Brothers properties in Burbank. One is the lot where there are all those uh, stages. And one is the ranch, which is really famous, for, well, for many things, but it's the opening credits to Friends where they're all on the fountain. And we had gone to one of the, the streets out there and shot inside and outside. I feel like we shot it in a night, you know, and I, I imagine you've, you've commented on this before, but Gilmore Girls was known for being a, a long day. You know, we had, <laughs> I remember driving off the lot on other occasions and it'd be like six in the morning and, you know, you drive past the guard station, you roll your window down, they're like, Gilmore Girls? Like, yeah, they're like, we figured, you know, drive safe. Uh, but this, I feel like this was probably, you know, we shot in November or December um, there at the ranch and probably shot, you know, from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. or something. Uh, mm. And Miles was obviously super fit. And uh, he was also a guy similar to the conversation that you and I had in that school set. Milo kind of showed me the ropes a little bit. Cause again, I didn't like, I just stayed in my trailer. I didn't know. So one time we were shooting and he was like, Hey, you want to, you know, we're on the next scene and we have lunch. You want to go grab a bite? And I was like, we can leave. And this is season two or season three. Or something. Like, yeah, we just gotta be back. You know, they'll, they'll text me or call me, like give us a half hour heads up. He's like, you sure we're not going to like get in trouble? He's like, no man, no, it's fine. And so he kind of would walk me around and uh, let me know the ropes. Cause even a season into Gilmore girls, I was still, you know, as you well know, like in terms of understanding the business and the way it all works, I was still a white belt, you know, um, I was in the way to become a black belt, uh, proverbially, uh, <laughs> very much a white belt. And so Milo helped me out and I, you know, it's, it's, you've done these as well. When you're doing a stunt sequence with somebody who's not super physically capable, it's worrisome because you're like, you know, he's supposed to punch me or elbow me. And I don't know if this guy's coordinated. Like, I think I'm going to get hurt. Uh, I didn't feel that way with Milo. Milo is, is fit and seemingly always has been and certainly still is. And so I just remember being like, this is going to be fun. Um, and then the whole tackle sequence out into the yard, it was a, it was a good time. He and I, it's funny because we've always gotten along extremely well. I mean, even from the get go where the scripts were lining us up to be rivals on camera, we just got along. We were just buddies, you know. He's like, "Hey, let's go get let's go get a bite." And I think he was he may still be vegan or vegetarian, but there was like a little vegan place, and we just went. And I was like, "Where's the burger?" He's like, "Well, it's a shiitake mushroom sandwich." I was like, "Whatever, I'll I'll, I'll take it." Uh, <laughs> so it helps a lot when you when you kind of trust, respect people you're working with, especially in a a physical sequence where you don't want to accidentally take an elbow to the nose and right, right. Um... Right, so the classic question that everybody uh, wants me to ask. Uh, we know Matsuki knows who Rory's baby daddy is. Do you know? Do you have any guesses? I, I don't know for sure. My understanding is that it's changed a couple times. Um, <laughs> I do. I. I, I have some guesses, but I, I don't know for sure. Okay. And I don't even know if, uh, I have no doubt that if Matt uh, says he knows, that he knows. But I would put it past the Paladinos to, to change it at the last second, uh, if need be. I do know this. I do know that when we did the reunion, well, when y'all did the reunion and I showed up for a day, uh, I was supposed to be in more of it. I remember talking to Amy and she was like, hey, we'd love to, we're doing this and we'd love to have you around. I was like, absolutely. At the time, you know, I was shooting Supernatural in Vancouver. And so um, basically whatever I was going to be in got way whittled down. And ultimately it came down to uh, we couldn't clear me on any specific day. So Amy basically told me, hey, if you find out you have a day off, uh, call me up. Let me know. We'll, we'll do that. You know, everybody's already on set anyways because we're cross-boarding 
And so I think I called her like on a Monday and I was like, Hey, I have Thursday off. And she's like, cool. You want to come down? I was like, absolutely. And so I flew down Thursday morning, uh, did the refitting and whatever shot Thursday, you know, morning, afternoon, early evening, and then flew back to Vancouver that night and shot supernatural the next morning. So, um, yeah. You can only do the, you can only do that when you're in your twenties. There's just no other way to do that. Uh, <laughs> when was the reunion? Uh, 2016. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I would have been, yeah. yeah 34, 35. Yeah. Yeah. Not, oh, okay. Like, there you go. Well, you, you look 20. That's, that's what I mean. Not three. Uh, and I was in Vancouver and my family was in Austin. And so, you know, I can go home and go to bed as opposed to chasing kids around and all that. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, so listen, Jared, one of the things that I admire uh, so much about you is the, uh, your courageous approach to sharing uh, some of the struggles that you've had with mental, uh, mental health issues and depression and anxiety. And I, I just, you know, it, it really does take a special kind of courage to step up and, and admit that and say that and talk about it, start a dialogue, because it, at, it, at its heart, it's, it's, it's extremely generous to do it because it it gets the, the 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 issue out there it gets people talking about it and it gets and it gives people the courage to step forward that otherwise wouldn't uh and you you inspire millions and millions of people through your work and now through your uh your your, your work with charities and with these uh, specific issues can you talk about it a little bit for sure um thank you for asking i i i've been very public that I've had, a, I don't say struggles. I say a relationship. Uh, I kind of feel like, um, uh, there's a great quote that, that I love and it's my favorite and it's pain is mandatory. Suffering is optional. And so I like to say, we're all going to deal with pain. We all deal with pain, no matter if you're Elon Musk with $300 billion or somebody who's having to, you know, do hard manual labor for five bucks an hour, everybody's going to have pain. Uh, it's a choice whether or not you can make, whether that can make you suffer. And so I, I take my uh, relationship with mental health very seriously. I see a doctor uh, every week and I have for many, many years. And I think it occurred to me, you know, especially early on in the Gilmore Girls years, I think I had kind of long had uh, maybe an underlying anxiety mostly, but depression at times I got pretty bad. And I, I just felt like, well, here I am, like I get to play pretend for a living. I get to buy a house when I'm 20 years old with money I made, not money I won in the lottery or inherited from family. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But, you know, you're in magazines and they're going like, oh, you're the new heartthrob and this and that. You're making good friends. You're doing what you've always dreamed. But I would go home and, you know, I'd cry sometimes or I would just, just sit there and not do anything. And I was like, something's weird, man. Like this doesn't, there's nothing on paper I can write down that, I'm unhappy about like, so why am I feeling so anxious or why am I feeling so sad? Um, and not even sad. Sad's kind of a funny, like you could feel sad and not have depression, you know? So this is a more like, you don't want to eat. You don't want to go outside. You don't want to talk to friends. You don't want to talk to family. It was more of that. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I look and be like, what's wrong with you, dude? Like what, what, what more do you want? Like, what's your problem? Like, why are you so entitled? Um, and finally one day, uh, luckily with, with a lot of great friends and family and, and the fandom, uh, from, you know, Gilmore girls and supernatural and now Walker and whatever else, it was just sort of like, Oh, it was a leap of faith just to go like, Hey, I know that I'm that guy on TV. Um, but not all as well. Uh, and I accept that. And, you know, I didn't, it was either going to be, you know, I never worked again in my head, you know, catastrophizing. It was either going to be like, oh, people are going to be so disappointed or think you're an asshole for not being happy. And it wasn't that. I was so happy. I am so happy with the life I've been able to live. I feel like I've been able to live a thousand lives in 40 short years. Um, but I was met with nothing but, uh, you know, love and support. And I think my main message is that if you feel like you're alone, uh, you're not uh, and I think just humans are humans, man. We all have our ups and downs. And if you look happy on the outside, you might be sad on the inside. And that's okay. You know, no feeling is final. And so mm -hmm. just keep your head up and, and be honest about it. And I think the biggest deal for me was to say like, hey, I'm dealing with something. And that might sound ironic because on the outside, it looks like I've got 
everything somebody could ever wish for. And I do, you know, I'm very fortunate, uh, but it doesn't mean that your brain isn't going to do what your brain does. So everybody listening now, uh, go to Jared's socials. He's got all of that information uh, on his social media uh, platforms uh, for organizations that can help out or to get involved with. And, and just know that Jared's got your back. Okay. Cause he, he's been through it. Uh, and he can, he can I help you out go through it forever, you know, to some degree. And that's another mm-hmm. thing is just like, Hey, if your brain does this instead of doing that, then that's just going to, it's going to be something you have a relationship with, right. but you don't have to listen to it. Right. It's real and it should be dealt with and it's nothing to be ashamed of. It's just, you know, takes a little bit of courage to step up and admit it and get some help. Yeah. And you, you'll, you'll be surprised by the outpouring of, of love and support. I was anticipating judgment. You know, I was anticipating like, oh, that guy's broken. And it was the opposite. It was the opposite. Right. Wonderful. Very, very, very inspirational. Um, um, Let's talk a little bit about Supernatural. It's a huge part of your life, a huge part of your career. Was it a 15-season run? Yeah, we we, we had a four-month hiatus or five-month hiatus of uh, the pandemic. Yeah, 327 episodes. So mega hit, uh, supernatural, uh, you're being part of the CW family for 20 years. Uh, and now, uh, tell us a a little bit about, um, what that experience is like for you being more than two decades on a single network and, and supernatural. uh, Well, uh, supernatural was CW before the CW was even CW. You know, our season one was WB. As you remember, uh, Gilmore Girls was WB. And then season five, I guess, went to, season five or six, went to CW. So Supernatural was, for many years, the only show on television that was older than the network that aired it. (laughs) We had a lot of, we had a lot of scares, you know. Uh, When Warner Brothers and UPN merged, uh, we thought, oh, we're done. And then when the president of CW change, we're like, ah, we're done. And then when the writer strike happened, we thought, ah, we're done. And then we were kind of just this little show that could, that had this really much like Gilmore had this very, very dedicated audience. You know, like I've, I've met fans of Gilmore girls who will come up and mention something to me about the show or a question, or what do you think about this or that? Or, Hey, I love this scene. And I'm like, I don't even, I, I filmed it. Like I, I memorized it, worked on it, filmed it. Uh, and I don't even recall that. And similar with Supernatural, and it was a super, just call it Super. Super was a really magical show, magical experience. That's where I met my wife. Uh, she was on season four, um, and somehow or another, I didn't, I didn't piss her off enough to say no when I asked her out on a date. Uh, she's probably regretting it now. Uh, but uh, I met great friends, um, people that I consider beyond friends. You know, their family, and really got to explore. I feel like supernatural is where I learned where I earned my black belt. You know, I had to do everything. I had to play humor. I had to play a drama. It was a thriller, but you had to be the big brother and the little brother. I played different characters. You know, Sam would get possessed or um, Sam would be, you know, dying from something. So I, I, I really, anything there is to do on screen, I did it uh, on supernatural and huge blessing. And our fandom is outstanding i you know i we see we go to conventions on weekends and i see faces in the audience that i've seen for over a decade you know mm-hmm. so it didn't feel like it didn't feel like star fan it feels like hey like longtime friends that happen to both passion about this that aired for a while yep. uh, it's like going to a concert or, or seeing somebody in a bar that has a pearl jam shirt on and you're like dude I, have you seen them live like yeah like it's it's a shared passion or seeing like a Dallas Cowboys jersey on somebody and being like, how about them boys? You know, and you have an immediate kind of kinship. Right. Um, so it's been a huge blessing. Yeah. I mean, I, I have seen Pearl Jam a couple of times live and it's, it's quite something actually. <laughs> yeah. It's a very serious evening, but it's, uh, it's cathartic to say the least. Sure. Um, yeah. um, uh, so your supernatural co-star Jensen Ackles. And I just call him Ackles. I don't think I've called him Jensen in 12 years. So he's got a show, The Winchesters, premiering soon. It's a prequel to Supernatural. Are you excited to see how it unfolds? Yeah. And I, I saw him. I was just with him this past weekend in Kansas City. 
and the weekend before that in Denver. And like our kids go to the same school. Like we're we're dear friends. You know what I mean? Right. We we. Good. I was texting with him yesterday about he was talking about some app that you can download where you can stream television because sometimes I'm in my trailer and I want to watch Walker or whatever. Uh, so we talk about all sorts of stuff. And he's right. a fellow Texan. He grew up in North Dallas. Right. He's got a wife and three kids. I'm a Texan. I got a wife and three kids. We're both, <laughs> you know, we're both like country music fans and right. uh, a lot to talk about. You know how it is as you get older. You don't see, you know, and I've got three young kids, uh, a wife and a couple of jobs. And so I don't really see anybody unless their last name is Padalecki and live in the same house or if they work on Walker. But he's directed Walker and uh, we're hoping to get him on board. But he's he's coming up in, up in uh, New Mexico right now. He's a he he's a heck of a musician, isn't he? But yeah, he's great. He's a great voice. Yeah. Great guitar. Uh, right, and right. always we used to go um, when we had late nights on Supernatural. I'd take my guitar over to his trailer or vice versa. And we just sit there and strum and play a little bit. But yeah, he's since the day I met him in 2005, he's always been noodling on guitar and singing. He has a beautiful voice and has a band. That's that's great. Um, yeah. So tell us a little bit about Walker. How'd that come about? You're, you're the boss over there, you know, and you're the star and you're the executive producer and it's premiering tonight and it's exciting as all get out. Tell us about it. So Walker happened, uh, funny enough, I think it was season 14 or 15 of Supernatural. And Jensen and I had a discussion with each other. We had, we had this for years and years because his wife and kids lived in Austin and my wife and kids lived in Austin. We were filming in a foreign country, albeit, you know, it's Canada. It's not that it's, it's but it's, it's a long flight um, or series of flights. You know, there was no direct flight at the time. And so we finally, one day we looked at each other, I think, and season 14, we were like, hey, man, I think I'm ready to hang up the flannel, you know, like, hey, I think I am, too. Like, I'm ready to meet my wife and kids uh, who live in Texas while we're in Canada instead. Um, and so we approached the studio network and we're like, hey, you know, we we, uh, we think if we do go another year, which would be season 15, it's going to be our, our last season. And, you know, discussions were had and they wanted more and we wanted more as well, obviously. Um, there was no falling out or anything where it's like, I'm done with this show. It was legit. Like, Hey, like I got three kids in school and I, I see them some months, some calendar months. I'd see my kids two days, you know? And that was just not, you're like, well, I'm working so hard so I can see my kids, but I can't see my kids cause I'm working so hard. There must be a better middle ground. And so we announced that season 15 would, would be the final season. And then, uh, talking with Mark Pedowitz, uh, then president CW and uh, he was like, Hey, well, you know, if you're ever interested in, you know, getting back on camera or developing or something, uh, I hope I'm your first phone call. And I was like, well, Mark, thank you so much. Um, I mean, honestly, it, it'd have to be in Austin. And he was like, that's a great idea. I was like, well, you know, um, I, I would want to be a, a, a producer on it so I could help guide the storyline. And he's like, of course, like you've done 300 something episodes of television. You've been in the business for 20 years. And again, I'm kind of like, I feel like I was trying to negotiate myself out of a job. And he kept going, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. <laughs> so, uh, so that kind of swam around in my head a little bit. And then I was talking with uh, my manager from when I was in high school to now. And we were like, well, something in Austin. What, what, what would be a good... And I don't remember who brought up uh, Walker, but you know Walker is a Texas Ranger, and the um, headquarters of the Texas Rangers is in the capital of Texas. The capital of Texas is Austin, and so funny enough, our our initial conversations were almost like, "What about if if the new Walker, if if this goes, is more about a family man who is a Ranger?" not a ranger who has a family. Does that make any sense? And we used, as a matter of fact, we used Gilmore Girls a lot. Like, hey, let's see, like the, the, the show is not about like roundhouse kicking minorities. You know, um, it's about a guy who's trying to do the best he can. He's got kids and he's a, a widower or he's a widow. Um, and uh, he's got a family, he's got a life. And I, I've been very fortunate to have a lot of friends in law enforcement and military and, you know, they have difficult jobs and, and have to enforce the law and this and that. But they're always just people going back to what we talked about earlier with anxiety or depression. People are people. 
whatever outfit they're wearing, uh, whether it's a, a badge or whether it's a you know Burger King hat, um, and they're serving you a bur- they're human beings. They have emotions and feelings, and they have highs and they have lows, and they have things they're passionate about. They have things that they're not okay with. And so we just kind of started developing the show. I read a I read an article about uh, it was an op ed back in the times. It's a it's shameful to think of, but when there were people at the border uh, who were having to separate families and put some in cages, as it's described. And I read an op-ed from one of the law enforcement officials who was there and something happened and they couldn't bring themselves to keep doing it. And the op-ed was kind of like, you know, I was being asked to separate this four-year-old from their dad and I have a four-year-old. And I, I, all I could think of is like, if somebody tried to do that to me, like I'd rip their throat out. And so they put their badge and their gun on their captain's desk and said, like, I understand I might lose my pension. I understand I might get court-martialed or something, but I, I can't do this. And I was fascinated by that idea of, you know, you're bound by duty and you want to do the right thing. And you believe that doing the right thing is going to be following the letter of the law, but you also have a moral conscience and you want to do what's right overall. Um, and so that's kind of how we started developing Walker. And now here we are, we're shooting episode uh, six of season three. Wow. And tonight uh, we premiered the prequel as well, Walker Independence, uh, which we have been developing since Walker even aired, uh, which we aired our first episode in January of 2021. And right before we aired our first episode of Walker, Seamus Kevin Fahey, who is uh, show running Walker Independence and was then co-EP for Walker, was like, hey, I got an idea. I've been trying to think about like, the Walker family and Texas and their roots. And I think there's a story there. We're like, yeah, there probably is like, uh, you know, uh, what are you thinking? And again, you start developing and now, uh, Walker independence or windy as we call it is, a uh, is a rock'em sock'em, uh, home run of a show. if you ask me, and I think. Wow. So exciting. It's cool. so exciting. So everybody tune in, uh, Walker starring Jared, Padalecki. This Mother's Day, join CARE in honoring the resilience of mothers around the world. In Sierra Leone, facing one of the world's highest maternal mortality rates, one nurse named Zainab has not lost a single mother. Supported by CARE's work, Zainab's clinic has become a beacon of hope in her community. Zainab's spirit extends to CARE's work worldwide, aiming to ensure every mother's safety during childbirth. Learn more at care.org slash Mother's Day. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on Wasp. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. They burned us and subject us to really horrible, uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us, so we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. The Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They prey on, you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. At this time in my life now, if someone presented this program to me, and not just because I've already experienced it, sham, scam, beware. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, let's do some Dean trivia. What is Dean allergic to? Oh, God. Walnuts. Walnuts? What's his favorite ice cream? Do you know? Uh, Chocolate chip cookie dough. Mint. Uh, Where did Dean first kiss Rory? On the porch. No, Dozie's Market. Uh, Where did Dean move from when he moved to Stars Hollow? Chicago. There you go. Uh, What sport did he play in high school? Hockey, ice hockey. Correct. What was the name of his younger sister? Uh, um, you got. You almost got it. Sawyer. Cl- Clara. Clara. Close, close, close. Uh, what was his favorite movie? Rosemary's Baby. <laughs> that was my first line. <laughs> it was. I know. Uh, Lord of the Rings. All right. Now. What? Lord, hey, of the- hey, Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings story. Uh, I, I read the books before the movies came out. And yeah. I think it was season three. We had that big, massive scene. It must have been a Thanksgiving episode. Um, we shot there on the lot and everybody was in the scene. And uh, Ed Herman, rest in peace, was also in the scene. And in between takes, he noticed that I was reading Lord of the Rings. And so he came up and he's saying, are you know, are you enjoying the book? It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I love it. Uh, and I want to get through them before the movies come out and this and that. He says, where are you uh, in the books? And there, it was a, it was Fellowship of the Ring at the time. Uh, I hadn't gotten the Two Towers or uh, yet. And so I was like, oh, they just went through the Mines of Moria. And, and then he kind of looked away and went, as the drum goes, boom, boom, the Hobbit's real. Like he, he recited a passage that I had literally just read like five minutes earlier and mm-hmm. verbatim. He just asked where I was in a book, which was one of three, 400 page books and recited something from it. Uh, and I just remember going, wow, like that's mm-hmm. a, that's a memory on this guy. Uh, yeah. Amazing, cool. amazing guy, amazing actor. Um, all right. Rapid fire. How many cups of coffee do you have a day? One. Are you team Logan, team, team Jess or team Dean? Jess. <laughs> Who's your favorite Gilmore Girls character? Ooh, Kirk. What would you order uh, at Luke's Diner? Uh, not that latte. Okay. Would you rather go on a road trip with Taylor or Michelle? <laughs> <laughs> you can say neither if you if you want. <laughs> uh, I love them both as as people. I'll, so, I'll go with Michelle. Okay, uh, finish the lyric, and where you lead, I will follow, dot, dot, dot. Anywhere, anywhere that you tell me to. Good, yes. Jackson's Vegetables or Suki's Baked Goods? Baked Goods. Would you rather listen to Drella's Harp or the Troubadour's cover songs? Troubadour. Uh, Chilton Prepper, Stars Hollow High. Stars Hollow High. There Come you on. go, all right. Jared, we're not going to keep you any longer. You gave us more time than uh, you should have. Let's do it again. Uh, we, we appreciate it. We'd love to do it again. Um, I cannot tell you how excited we were to hear that you were coming on, and I appreciate it so much. Um, you are a huge part of our analyses and our breakdowns of shows. You you are 
maybe the top guy that we are, you know, fawning all over and just marveling at and uh, what a great guy you are, what a courageous human being uh, you are or for the work that you do. Uh, so much respect for you. So much love for you, my friend. And uh, um, I am so happy at all of your success. It, 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 it is well-deserved from somebody who is so loving and so generous. Um, and the best to your family and, and continued success for you, my friend. And, wow. uh, great, great. Yeah, I know. Great talking to you. And, uh, Austin, and I'll, uh, I'll take you around some barbecue joints. Let's we'll do it. Man. Let's do it. Let's do yeah. it. Sometime. All right, buddy. Have a, right. have a, have a great rest of the off day and, uh, all the best to you. Okay. Back at you, brother. All right. Bye. And don't forget, follow us on Instagram at I am all in podcast and email us at Gilmore at iHeartRadio.com. Oh, you Gilmore fans, if you're looking for the best cup of coffee in the world, go to my website for my company, ScottyP.com, S C O T T Y P.com, ScottyP.com. Grade one specialty coffee. All summer, the best time of the year usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there was another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. At IKEA, everyone can have lounge chair access. No reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, they have all of the essentials that you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Sierra Leone has some of the world's highest maternal mortality rates. One nurse, Zainab, has not lost a single mother. This Mother's Day, join care in supporting maternal health around the world. Learn more at care.org slash Mother's Day. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on WASP, the worldwide association of specialty programs and schools. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. Join my host as they unravel the story of the largest and most shocking organization in the history of the troubled teen industry. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. <laughs> 